Hello and welcome to the Create Your World podcast. This is episode 10. Hey Ben, how are you doing today? Good man, how are you today? I am not too bad. I... <laughs> I've been working my ass off this week, yeah. finishing this month's course, um, and yeah, no, I've just been going at it like a machine, it's just been nuts, and I finally finished the last, uh, the last module for the course last night, so I'm feeling really great this morning, that it's all over. How, uh, how, uh, how late were you up finishing it off? One o'clock-ish. Yeah, nice. Yeah, not yeah. bad. Um, and then up at seven to start the Ooh. morning show. I'll be honest, my morning show this morning wasn't <laughs> so crash hot. <laughs> it was pretty. <laughs> I was uh, I was clutching my my mug of coffee pretty tightly this morning <laughs> in this morning's podcast. I was like, "Good morning, everyone. Write another great sentence." Go, go, go. And then just another, another big, another big. Do you know where coffee came from? Hmm? What? Do you know where coffee came from? Have I told you that story? If you're interested, hmm. coffee is actually a poison. It's actually an insecticide. So, uh, well, okay. It, grew, it's, it originally came from South America, from the Amazon, I think, right? Where the coffee plant actually hmm. put, hmm. you know, it grows caffeine. It puts it in its leaves right in order to keep little bugs from eating the leaves because mm. if they eat it just a small little dose is enough to kill them and they die but human beings found out that mm. if you chew these leaves you get a you know you get this like big burst of energy so it doesn't kill us it just energizes us a little bit so we refined it and, and created nice. coffee that's where coffee came from Cool. Did you know, have you heard about this? There's this new book out by, uh, blanking on his name. Anyway, there's this, this, um, I believe he's an anthropologist, uh, or a historian. Anyway, he's written this book called America Before. Uh, and it's all about like the Amazon and the civilization that, uh, anthropologists are slowly uncovering, which, uh, used to exist like ages, ages ago, like, uh, I don't know how many, several thousands or tens of thousands of years ago. Uh, maybe not tens, tens of thousands or maybe tens of thousands. Anyway, like it's pretty much flipped like the uh, world of anthropology on its head. Like, cause there was this theory that, um, and you'd probably be way more familiar with what I'm talking about than, than I am, uh, you know, being your, you're so into natural history, but there was this theory like for ages, which was just accepted that um, humans, like the first humans to the Americas only came through after the, the Ice Age. Yeah. But, you know, yeah, because they're like the, the ice sheets up near uh, Alaska and, and Canada was so thick, like, you know, no one could have like made it over from the Eurasian continent. Um, but apparently this has been disproved or they're finding more and more evidence to the contrary. And they're, okay, like I was just listening to this guy on, uh, on the Joe Rogan show and talking about his, his book and it just sounds incredible. Like he said that there are like virtually like these huge cities that they're uncovering these, these relics of what once must have been like large metropolises, like the size of, 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 of other cities from like Samaria and, 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 you know, the, the really ancient world, you know, like pre-Roman kind of ancient world. 
and he said like there's just like these just these great big sites that are hidden deep under the trees in the Amazon today and they're using this new sort of a laser technology to uh, map them like um, you know to, to, to make just to like, find uh, these lost cities yeah, in the middle of the jungle that they'd yeah, never yeah, be able yeah, to yeah. find otherwise that's right and and part of the reason they've been able to uncover them is, is because of uh, all the deforestation that's happening there but now they've uh, gotten funding to use these uh, laser uh, there's, a, there's a term for it. it's like a Anyway, there's a kind of a laser uh, geo-mapping tool and they're using like helicopters and, and planes and stuff and they're flying over the Amazon. They're, they're doing it that way rather than having to like cut down trees and stuff. Um, yeah, I think yeah, fairly regularly like, just crazy. in the UK, I think they find like, you know, just they come up with suit, some new radio technology or laser technology uh-huh. and they end up finding like just in these, just little like bumps, you know, in people's farms. And when you look at that, from the right perspective, it turns out, oh, it's a, it's a Roman fort that used to be there. And so they know where to dig to, to, you know, to get more artifacts and things like that. Yeah. Yeah, that is just nuts. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's called America Before by Graham Hancock. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, no, I just like, I just, just find that just incredible. Like that, that the Amazon, and he's, what I think was more fascinating is he's, he was talking about how what we believe to be just this untouched wilderness yeah. actually is better thought of as it was like this civilization, like the people who lived there, it was like their backyard. It was like... Yeah, like their... a cultivated wilderness. Yes. Yeah, like they, 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 yeah, yeah. Like so many of these exotic uh, plants and species and, and like, you know, coffee that you're talking about was was heavily influenced. You know, it was, was like deliberately, you know, it was like a product of like deliberate crossbreeding and, and, and selection by, by that uh, culture, you know, by, by those the people who lived in these cities, like not just like, yeah, nice. uh, they weren't just nomads or anything. It was like cities. Like they're so awesome, man. Yeah. So I really uh, like, yeah, I, I like reading about, uh, fallen civilizations, yeah, you know, like cool. Easter Island. And, and there are so many, there's so many different examples. Um, mm. yeah, there's this great quote, by uh, Will Durant, who's a who's a historian, um, and he just he just talks about how all civilizations, at the end of the day, they're subject to nature, and if mm-hmm. if rain falls too infrequently, then their cities are taken over by the desert, like Petra. Uh, mm. If it rains too much, then the cities are overtaken by jungle, like um, you know Angkor Wat. Angkor Wat, um, yeah, it's a good example. Yeah. Mm. So it's, we just, we're just our, like the complexity of our society just lives in the balance of like several different knife's edges that are all balancing at the same time. And if just Mm -hmm. one of them falls, then, you know, we don't have enough, you say like the crops fail and then we just don't have enough food and, um, and then we're fucked. Yeah. It all, all goes to the pits. Yeah. That's incredible. So... Well, okay, that was a great little tangent, but uh, yes, yeah, so a coffee this morning. <laughs> yep. Yeah, so to bring it all the way back to uh, this morning. Yeah, insecticide. Wow. So okay, there you go, guys. For the coffee lovers out there, keep on sipping that insecticide. Um, yeah, it's brilliant. So um, okay, so <laughs> I've had a bit of a hard slog, and the course went on sale yesterday for this month. Uh, it's 
New course. New course. What's yeah, the topic? It's about pets. Pets. Right, pets. So if I see another cute, cuddly furball, you get hamster kick it. or something, I'm gonna. Oh, <laughs> my desktop is just covered in <laughs> images of cute cats and you know. Uh, How infuriating. So, yeah, to squeeze out 20 module topics, like 10 for advanced and 10 for beginners out of pets was not easy. Uh, you know, uh, there was like, it's like, how much can you, how, you know, how much, like once you get past the different kinds of pets, you know, one, one module for big dogs, one module for small dogs, one module for cats, you know, and then one module for maybe the vet. And then maybe one module for, you know, pet food or supplies or something. And then after that, it's, you know, you start to start to wear thin pretty quickly. But I did uh, find some really interesting topics for the advanced course, which I'm kind of proud of. Like, uh, okay, for example, um, robo pets, as in, you know, will robots replace pets and stuff? Mm. Um, they've got this this really realistic looking dog now called a Tombod, T-O-M-B-O-D. And apparently it's a hit in aged care facilities with dementia patients. Uh, and if you, 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 you check it out, it, it really does look very lifelike. Um, yeah, I can imagine if I was, you know, by the time I, I hit that uh, stage of my life, I, <laughs> I would uh, probably not be fussed whether or not the, the, the dog is real or not. Maybe. I don't know. But um, apparently it's, it has really good, uh, really, really good health, health benefits for um, dementia patients and, and oh, stuff. Oh, okay. So... Yeah, no, that's the niche. The, this this uh, robot dog company is uh, is is focusing on. But okay, so not to go down a whole other tangent there. So, uh, robot pets was one module that I, I liked sort of looking into, and also um, vegan pets, which I think is another great great topic. Uh, I don't think that's a thing here in Taiwan yet, but it could become something in the future. <laughs> a bit of a trend in the future. You've heard all about that, no doubt. Yeah, some people are. Yeah, right. So the cats like vegan. Oh so, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The yeah, cats yeah. die. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, well, yeah. Um, so yeah, no. So long story short, it's been a bit of a stretch to get it all together by the end of this month. But it's it's together and it's out there. No sales yet. I don't expect this to do very well, to be honest. Maybe I'll reach the same mark as last month. That would be nice, like uh, two hundred something like that, US in sales. Um, but I'm not really, I'm not really holding my breath, you know, for anything. Uh, I, I really, it's just, like, this is just a reminder, like this week has been such a slog and I feel um, that, you know, what I'm doing, like the tasks I'm doing day to day is just so repetitive and it, it's not generating much income. And so it just reminds me that I really do need to change my business model. At the least, a subscription model. Uh, otherwise, something completely different. So I've got a few ideas that I want to talk about today uh, because I've gotten to the point where people are coming to me and throwing ideas out at me about different ways, you know, different directions I should head in or different things I should try. And I don't even have the time to like leave my house to go and meet other people to discuss these ideas because a lot of them require some sort of a, some sort of a collaboration with other people on some level. And I think that is really the natural, the next natural step for me, some level of partnership, either with another platform, with, with some other people in the education industry here, or 
um, someone else to you know to outsource some of the content creation for the actual modules or, or the, the, the courses or someone to help with the Facebook ads and marketing and something but I, anything I need a team man I need a team because this is just nuts what I'm doing right now and it's not growing because it's just me and I don't even have time to sit back and think or, or to even plan or to discuss with other people you know some some sort of possibilities or so okay, okay. what really happened this week or since uh, last episode was um uh, something really interesting, which I want to get into is uh, someone came onto the morning show, left a comment and then messaged me after the show, which happens from time to time and said, Hey, really like your broadcast. Why don't you join amazing talker? And I'm like, well, what's amazing talker. And then this guy um, gave me this, this rundown of what it is. He said, it's not an ad. I'm like, okay, whatever. I checked his Facebook page and it says he's he's just joined Amazing Talker. So if it's not an affiliate, you know, <laughs> programmer, you know, um, I, I I don't care that he said it wasn't an ad. You know, I just want to know what what on earth this Amazing Talker platform is. And so the rundown is it is a platform for online language tutors and students to connect and find each other. And so at first I was a little bit Skeptical, well, I'm selling my time, you know, this is exactly the kind of thing that I want to get out of. I want to create some sort of scalable business where it's not me selling my time per se, this looks like I'm selling my time. Okay, yes. But I look at some I looked at some of the the numbers and some of the rates that some of these tutors are charging. It's pretty cool. It's pretty high. Like some of them are charging like over a hundred US an hour, maybe up to even two hundred per wow. Yeah, per hour, um, and you can have one-on-one -on -one classes, or you can have a small group class. And what struck me about this platform called Amazing Talker, which is um, a Taiwanese startup based in New Taipei City, so uh, just just down the road from where I am, is that it's very flexible. Like, uh, and I haven't joined yet, so you know it may be sort of a rosy first impressions, but does seem to be much more flexible than other other platforms in the same league. Uh, there's a really big company here, uh, which I also believe is in China. I think they're actually a Chinese company and then they came to Taiwan. I'm not sure where they began, but anyway, long story short, they're called Tutor ABC. They're like huge, 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 huge company. They've got big money behind them. And they use a more sort of traditional marketing approach. They've got like a big sales team with lots of cold calling. And, and all of that, and uh, really high ticket item. It's, I mean, they're they're selling the same thing. They're selling online native speaker, you know, tutoring, for English tutoring to uh, you know to uh, local um, English learners. But it's so expensive. I, I I don't know the exact numbers, but it's like double what most uh, sort of in person classes would be like real life classroom classes would be like brick and mortar schools would be it's like double that so it's really expensive uh and what justifies all that extra yeah, cost yeah it's a good question i'm not 100 sure i think they just they were fairly early i think they got in into the sort of the online uh thing fairly early and they've sort of dominated the 
the space and, and they've just got some really good real estate too. Like they're at this huge intersection, uh, which is right in the sort of the, the, the university hub of town in Taipei. It's like, um, yeah, they've got this huge, uh, uh, building right on the corner of the intersection and massive plasma screens. And they've got lots of, um, celebrities, you know, uh, faces, you know, marketing their, their stuff. I remember the first big name to be like the face of Tudor ABC was, uh, actually Yao Ming, you know, the Houston, I hope I get this right. I'm not very good with basketball and stuff, but he used to play for Houston Rockets, I think, right? Yao Ming. It's like a mm -hmm. huge, huge, um, Chinese basketball player. Uh, it's Olympic player. He's very, very famous. Um, He's, uh, I think it's Houston Rockets. Oh, I hope I didn't get that wrong. But anyway, <laughs> he was like the face of Tudor ABC to begin with. Um, and now there's a lot of other sort of famous people. Um, so anyway, long story short, they, they really dominate the sort of the, the top end of the market. Uh, but this platform, Amazing Talker, seems a lot more down to earth. Oh, but what I don't like about Tudor ABC uh, is it's, it's much, there's much more of a lock-in mechanism. It's, it's, it's uh, the kind of, uh, it's online, but the way they do things is, is fairly old school. It's similar to my, my cram school where they, you know, lock you in for like six months at a time and you buy like a whole bundle of uh, classes. And um, it's, it's very rigid, like uh, the, the rate that the foreign teachers get is uh, like essentially the same. Uh, it's, it's, there's, 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 it's not so much a platform where the, for example, the teacher can sort of develop their own course and do things their own way. It's very much the teachers are like a employee or are a, um, they, they, they follow the, the a standard curriculum and it's, it's, it's much more centrally uh, organized and centrally run that way. Whereas Amazing Talker, just from the get-go from, from exploring the website, is definitely much more fluid and flexible. And, and so essentially, if I joined it, okay, I could set my own rates, right? I could set my own time when, I, when I'm available for a class and then people book me. And then um, they only book me, you know, maybe one or two or three classes at a time because each class is paid for separately. So it's not like... I, Do I they have they to have wait like a, for, say, five people to book the class in as well if it's a five-person class? A group, yeah, probably, yeah. I don't exactly know how that works, but probably something like that. There is, so it's, it's, there's like a card, okay? So they, you top up your card with, with, with either just money or credits or something like that. And then they use their, you know, their, um, their card or, or virtual card, I can imagine. Anyway, they use whatever they, they use, their tokens or something to, to, to book a class like that. So, um, okay. What I think is like, first of all, I could make a lot more money a lot more quickly from this than what I'm doing with my course building. Yes, it doesn't ultimately scale. Like, uh, I ask myself- You're still selling we're... your time at the end I'm of the day. I'm still selling my time. I'm still selling my time at the end of the day. However, it seems I could sell my courses to the students on that platform because there is, uh, you can, have your own course, your own curriculum. It's not like they provide a curriculum for you. It's like you can sell your courses as well on there. So it is also, this website is also like a content uh, platform as well, a paid content platform. There's a paywall and you can, it's a little bit like Teachable as well, as it were. It's got that function. It's not primarily built for selling 
courses is primarily built for um, connecting students with teachers and hosting online. So how is it but better than you can, or how is it better than Teachable? Well, you can have you know an online um, class like I think they use Zoom. It's it's, it's about they, it's live. It's that's the yeah yeah yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's like a yeah exactly. Whereas uh, Teachable, I've 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 yet to figure out how you can have like a streaming service as okay. a plugin in, in Teachable. But yeah. Um, so you can sell the courses too, so that's something, I guess. But what really uh, piqued my interest is that you can build a team on this platform and you can be the leader of a, of a team of teachers and train these teachers and then earn a commission from the classes that they teach. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Most platforms wouldn't give you that. It's like a... It's like a platform effect on top of another platform. Yeah, you know, think I've about never it. Most seen platforms. That yeah, I know, right? So I don't exactly know how that works, but that's something that got me a little interested because I felt, well, you know, that's scalable potentially, or at least I can leverage the curriculum I've already built and the reputation I've already got to get more yeah. teachers and then train them. I talked about this with Mark. Um, uh, our uh, number one fan and uh, uh, guest from last week's uh, episode nine, uh, Mark, from episode nine. I, I spoke about this with Mark a few days ago uh, in our mastermind discussion. And I think he raised a good point because I thought, well, look, I could start doing this. You know, I could get on this platform and start finding other teachers and start to sort of train them. And, and uh, you, know, uh, you know, that would get me some leverage and, you know... Um, that would be great. But Mark, with all his you know, um, experience in the sort of ESL industry, raised a really good point, which is uh, teachers and students, especially students, but also teachers, are fairly flaky when it comes to uh, language classes and booking language classes. Like, they bounce pretty, pretty quickly, pretty often. And I can attest to that, having been in this industry for several years. Um, and often it's just wet weather that, you know, if, if you have a rainy class, if you have a, sorry, if you have a rainy day, you can have less than half the regular number of students uh, show up. Um, so it's, fairly, you know, people are fairly flaky when it comes to this kind of stuff. And even more so online was his point. And that's true. Uh, I, 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 I totally agree with that. And I, I can see that there would be quite a lot of admin work and a lot of uh, management that would go into, you know, having to chase these other teachers up and say, hey, listen, have you, you know, finished the class? How did it go? What happens when the students cancel? They don't take a class. I don't earn any of that commission that the teacher would have, would have uh, earned by teaching um, that class. And he just pointed out a few of the sort of the... the um, the time kills that that could you know really eat into my time with this, and I think uh, the 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 crux of it is at this stage because Can I have you a contact bit of a volume, anybody else on the platform and see how it's going for them, considering yeah, yeah, that it's yeah. a local so there's platform. This, there's this guy on YouTube. I think he's in Malaysia or something. Uh, um, I th yeah, this. This, this guy on YouTube, and I left a comment on his video because he's like the only one who's done one of those, um, you know, just a, a screencast video of 
the inside of the platform and you have to apply to be a teacher as well. It's not like just anyone can become a teacher. Uh, but he got approved after a couple of weeks, he said. And um, so I left a comment, but I haven't, either he hasn't replied or I haven't gone back to check if he's replied, I guess. Uh, so there are some people I could contact, but okay, actually, I have a friend here, another ESL teacher, who knows the guy who owns this platform. So he can vouch for his character, which is very good because one of the reasons I didn't join 17 or Ichi for those in Taiwan who know Ichi, you know, um, uh, it's a streaming platform which uh, started, you know, it's got a long complicated history and the boss, uh, you know, couldn't go public in America because of you know, uh, <laughs> problems with the books, in other words, like, uh, um, yeah. <laughs> financial regulate, regulatory issues. And Interesting. Yeah, he's, uh, anyway, long story short, they had a lot of scandals with like, uh, you know, like, I think there was a lot of like sex stuff on there to begin with, you know, streaming platforms, it's kind of expected. But anyway, they had a really <laughs> tarnished <laughs> reputation. Yeah, people just, you know, going live as it were. And, uh, uh, so funny. You know, a lot of, a lot of, you know, tits out for the boys kind of thing. Uh, <laughs> so there was all that kind Wait of thing. Wait a minute, this isn't, in the early this days. isn't my English lesson? Yeah, well, no, 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 no. hang on, wait, 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 back, back up, back up. 17 is not built for being an English teaching platform. They came to me, uh, I must have spoken about this in earlier episodes, I think, I must have. Uh, they came to me uh, several months ago uh, to sort of poach me to get me on their platform as the one and only English teacher uh, on their platform because they're trying to diversify okay. after they got themselves this reputation for being, a, you know, a cesspit of, of, you know, adolescent, you know, sexual... Scum and villainy. <laughs> yes, yes, uh, you know, exactly. Shenanigans on, online and stuff. And, you know, there was a lot of finger-wagging from, from mainstream media and, and, you know, parents' groups and all the rest of it. I don't know, long story short, uh, they want to diversify and, you know, show they're not just, you know... All of that, and uh, so they came to me, but I, I didn't sign on because the contract, the terms of the contract, were very restrictive, and uh, essentially, like if I left within two years, they could, uh, you know, I'd have to pay them a, a fine or a or a or a, a what's that term again? Um, when you, you know, you, you you quit a contract early and you have to pay the other party. Large sum of money. Uh, what's the, anyway, whatever it is. I can't remember, legal, but fuck that. Term. Fuck that. Yeah, it was like a lot of money. It was like shitload of money. And I was like, well, this is ridiculous. And the agent who was trying to sign me on kept on saying, no, 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 no. That's only if you join another streaming platform. But that's not what the contract said. Like, in clear as day, it was, it was, it clearly stated that if you leave, you know, break the contract before it's, you know, before the, 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 the contract expires you have to pay this lump sum of money. And so I didn't join, but what was very critical about all that, or what really led to my decision with that is I had two um, very close friends, um, two very close Taiwanese friends here who are, you know, um, in their sort of fifties, I guess, or late forties, fifties. So um, they've kind of been around and uh, well, one's, one's my, actually my, um, he's doing his PhD at my university, yeah, 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 so yeah, yeah. we're very close. Anyway, long story uh, short, uh, I very, very much trust their opinions and, and whatnot. And they said to me, look, look, this 
the boss, the boss of this company is a bit of a rat bag and uh, you know, you should just, just, just don't go there. Just don't sign on with, with, with this company. <laughs> just don't sign on with this platform because they're, they're, they're dodgy. You know? um, smell a rat a mile away kind of a thing. And so I didn't, uh, so it's very, it's coming back to all of this. It's very, uh, reassuring that I've very, another friend that I trust who has met the boss or the founder, I believe of amazing talker, this other platform. And this is a language learning platform and he can vouch for this guy's characters. Yeah. Is they're really good? He, the owner might have good intentions, but if the platform doesn't end up, you know, being one that's, uh, suits you one, you know, one that's good for creators, then, no, exactly. So, so it doesn't matter. It's yeah, exactly. It's an opportunity to explore, but I don't really know if it's really going so to is there, be. So, are there any other teachers that are like you said? It's a it's a company that's based in your city, right? Yeah, it's in Taiwan. Yeah. So based in Taipei. Yeah. So, are there any other um, yeah, any other creators that you can reach out to and get a coffee mm. with? Like, I mean, mm. just the just the exchange of information is so much greater if you're having coffee with someone as opposed to typing up an email, you know? Mm. Mm. Um, as with that, the guy in Malaysia, you know, if they reply at all. Yeah. Yeah, no, uh, that's a good idea. I should try and suss someone out. Um, I think this is like a medium-term solution because I'm in a bit of a tight spot financially at the moment and I just tend to grin and bear it, but actually it would probably be a lot better if I had a bit of cash flow that I, you know, I could potentially put to use in terms of Facebook ads to reach a broader audience and sell my, 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 my evergreen content too. So this could extend the runway. This could be a really good medium term solution. And I think Mark is right about, I think you should do a quick trial mm, with that, by the way, just quick put trial, like, yeah. you know, 50 us mm. dollars or something on a few ads and just see what the oh, conversion look, rate I've, is. I've done the trial, you... man. Oh, you uh, did the trial. Oh, no, we, we talked about this. Uh, yeah, we did. Yeah, we, yeah. But we Look, but we at the end of the day, the I got click-throughs. No, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. We didn't? Okay. I got... It was I a video ad, right? A few video ads, yeah. Oh. And I did, you know, the A-B testing and all of that. But actually, um, this was something else Mark told me about, actually. He's like, to begin with, you just need to... You shouldn't really be A-B testing because to get enough volume to A-B test... Uh, it requires, you know, to, to get what they call like statistical significance on Facebook ads, you need to spend more money to reach so they can sort of tell you that they are 80% sure that at A, um, or what they call creative outperformed. A, outperformed creative B. So I naively just gave, you know, put in as much money as, as was recommended. Uh, which was kind of stupid, so I spent several hundred dollars, and I didn't make anything from these oh, man. ads. So, and I don't think in hindsight it was anything wrong with the ads because I did get like a uh, hundred click-throughs or something from these ads. I'll uh, have to go and look up the numbers again, but I got the click-throughs. I got traffic from these ads, but no one bought. So I think the problem was I sent them to the wrong page on my website. I sent them to the home page rather than the landing page. I did recalibrate it and send it to the landing page, but I still didn't get enough sales. I think, I don't know, man. I think, 
at the time it felt like, ah, oh, this Facebook ads thing doesn't work. In hindsight, I think it wasn't so much the Facebook ads part that didn't work, that, but my website wasn't optimized for conversion. Point is, like once you get into going from completely cold customers, or not even cold customers, just, just once you get into this FB ads thing from like the top of the funnel all the way to the sales page, it's such a, like there are so many steps in the middle and it's, 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 um, you don't really know, you know, where you need to focus your attention. It's, it's not just the ad itself. Like the ads take a lot of learning to figure out how to actually make, make these ads, it's make complicated, work, how to it? target. It's freaking complicated. It's not just that it's then like I spent all my effort and time on trying to figure out how to make these ads work. But then I didn't really spend much time thinking about like, oh, what does my landing page actually look like? Does this convert very well? Turns out it doesn't convert very well. So actually I should be spending more time on that. And then I should come back to the Facebook ads and figure out how to use the Facebook ads to get them onto that landing page. And you know, it's, it's like a multi-step process and it takes a lot of time. So mm. yes, I want to get back on that horse. I do, but. That's why I really like the sound of uh, Instagram like product ads. They mm -hmm. they don't actually allow um, you to sell courses or any digital products yet. Mm. It's all just physical. But mm. for those physical products, you know, you just run a you make a video of whatever it is that yeah. you're selling and uh, make the ad, and and then you can buy right there in the platform. So yeah, there's only two simple. steps. Yeah, courses. People just don't buy courses like that, man. No one no, looks at a course and says like sees it in within 10 second video and says, oh, that's a beautiful course, buy now. And that's no right. That. But people do that for clothes and stuff like that. So to wrap it up, Amazing Talker, I think could help me. Uh, but I, I think Mark's right is in that I should leave sort of creating a team and trying to sort of, uh, you know, generate more income that way until I have a really established reputation on the platform and I have a bigger Facebook following and I'm already charging a really high rate for my own classes because then I can, I, you know, I can go to some of these other teachers and I have something to offer them. I can say, look, if you want to get on my team, I'm like one of the top 10 highest performing teachers on this platform. Whereas if I just go there to yeah, begin with, they're like, have more bargaining power. Who are you? You know, exactly. And and yeah, long story short, I just think that's that's the way to go about it, rather than um, rather than the other way, which is like trying to like uh, get these teachers and, and manage well, them. Definitely for getting other teachers yeah. as to be part of your ecosystem, but mm. not if you just need some admin help. Okay, sorry, can you say that again? If it's for getting other getting other teachers to. Uh, you know, to teach, to, to be, become part of your, you know, e your teaching, yeah, teaching English like a, eco ecosystem, sure, then sure, sure. sure. Yeah. So you need a bit of bargaining power, but yeah. if you just need a bit of help with the admin side of things, <laughs> like, as you said, like correcting people's, you know, grammar in the comments, like you've been wanting to get a, uh, someone to help you out with that for a long time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You don't have, have to wait for that. But of course you need to, you need a bit of spare cash to, allocate to that person yeah but i could do that if i if i took on a few classes on this platform i could find someone on fiverr or something to do that so so that is yeah so this could really work so i'll be you know um 
giving you updates on how that goes and what my experience is with that. But, you know, I think this is something everyone needs to really think about is at what stage of your business do you need to bring another person on? And when and how do you do that? And so other than just this amazing yeah. talk of platform opportunity, something else has happened in the last week. And that is I had a, a chat with a, another friend who um, he would like to to do the, he would like to expand the platform and help me expand it to Japan. So that's great. And I've been thinking about this for quite some time and I would like to do that. And he's Japanese is, is pretty good. He lived there for a couple of years and um, we've known each other for, for quite some time now. And I think um, he's, he's, he's a good English teacher and he's also, um, he's got some, some business sense. So I, I really would like to partner with him. I can't think of anyone else in terms of like an ESL teacher uh, who would make a better sort of partner at this stage. I've just been holding back for the last two or three months because I felt I have to get my business model figured out first before I bring someone else on board. In other words, am I doing this gamifying thing that I tried, you know, two or three weeks ago? where, you know, it's like this game and then there's points and then maybe we'll build an app one day and then, you know, it's like that and there are prizes and all this stuff. Well, or this guy's this guy is not a mindless automaton. He's a, no, he said he also has some business sense, so yeah, might yeah, be able yeah. to develop it together. Well, I exactly. Mean, is so, he willing to do like a, a clone of what you do over in Japan? I, so yeah, like he's going to get I, up um, every day at, it's six yeah, o'clock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, 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 so this is this is what this is the thing. I okay. So it all connects because I am thinking I have to have a business model figured out. I have to have a profitable business model, and I have to have already have already be set on this and decide for myself that this is the future direction of the the business. Like this is how we're going to make money going forward. This is how it's going to be. If it's not the gamify scenario then what is it it's, it's something else it's it's is it a subscription model is it you know like do we have a big big sale bonanza once a year and we sell lots of courses at the same time or what is it you know like whatever the business model is like what's it going to be and um or it even could be something like this amazing talker thing i was talking about like 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 build like having like several teachers or many teachers yeah. and like training them separately or whatever Whatever it could be, like I feel, I felt I have to decide and figure out this for myself because then, only then, I can go to him and say, hey, listen, buddy, this, this is figured out. Like, I know how we're going to make some serious money now. So, yeah, you that's, that's what I was we're gonna make trying money. to, uh, that's, but what I, that's what I tried I, to figure out early. You know, yeah. what was my, what's my business model? Because I felt like I couldn't keep chopping and changing, you know, what uh, the business uh, was uh. while I've got, you know, while I've Other got people. users. So this is something everyone needs to really think about. Like, but is this, is this just a little like naive? I, maybe I, I, I think it doesn't always work like that. Like there are tons of startups out there. They have a team together and they, you know, they, they, they pivot all the time and you know, it's, it's kind of hairy at times, but yeah, like, man, they're is, probably not is... bootstrapping. They're probably, no. they're probably, uh, they've oh, taken on someone saying. else's money. And so they've got yeah. the, they've got the time. They've got the resources. They've got the time. Okay, okay. And Maybe of that's... course, they gave up a percentage of their business in order to do that. Mm -hmm. 
So yeah, you're right. I mean, then maybe there's there's uh, that's maybe a different scenario. But coming back to us and what we're all about, like uh, independent content creators who are like building our own businesses online, I think it's really something to think about. Like, when can you bring someone else on? And the reason why I'm now um, quite confident to bring this guy on and to let him sort of get a Japanese version of to start with the Facebook page up and running, or it may be Twitter, because according uh, to some research I've read, uh, Twitter usage rate is much higher in Japan than Facebook. But anyway, that's another topic. We can talk about that another time. Um, whereas no one in Taiwan uses Twitter, <laughs> except the politicians, and they always tweet in English. It's like a, it's like their, you know, um, it's like a way of like getting their quotes, you know, their, 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 um, their, they're sort of one-liners, one-liner grabs out to you know CNN and international media. media. Exactly, yeah. exactly. It's not actually meant meant for Taiwanese, uh, you know, voters or the public. Yeah. Um, coming back to forgetting Twitter and Facebook and all of that discussion, the reason why I'm confident that I can start to work with him now is that he's told me that he knows it's going to be like another year, possibly up to a year or something like that before he makes money off the Japanese courses. And, 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 and this part of the market. So he knows it's going to take some time to build up a following and all, all of that. And he's prepared for that. So if he really is, and if he's really keen, that keen, that he's happy to start making videos and then start streaming and then doing it every day and all of that, then it's better to start now than later because heck, I, I did this for free. Like I, I was just like putting out free content there for like a year before I started selling anything. So if he follows the same pattern, like it's better to start now, mid 2019. So yeah. sometime next year, we I, can start selling he, stuff to the Japanese market. He's, he's going to have to expect to be, you know, pretty independent, you know, because there's not much. Yeah. Like it's, he's not helping you. Like you are getting another employee in, but he's not helping you with your existing sort of supply chain he's creating a a like a clone supply chain you know what i mean sort of yeah so I he's mean, not he making be, your yeah. life any easier if anything he's going to give you no. a little bit more work to do because he's going to need true. help with some things he's definitely but, going to need some help with some things I mean, how are you going to split him. how are you going to split the profits uh we haven't discussed like the rates per se but i'm thinking uh I don't know ballpark figure. No, I haven't. I haven't. I haven't figured that out yet. But it will be some, some. It'd be good to have someone on. on your team, though. Like it's it's lonely, you know. Like no, it you, is lonely. I definitely want no to work help from with him. Anybody. I def and and he's he's a great guy. I definitely want to work with him. It's just um. Uh, okay. The good news is, like for him, I think yeah, there is financial incentive for sure, but. He also really wants to practice his Japanese because he lives here and he doesn't have much opportunity to practice speaking Japanese except for his classes that he, I think he takes Japanese classes twice a week or something like that. And he wants to improve his Japanese. So he's more into Japanese than Chinese. He can speak some Chinese as well. Um, it's a bit like I used to be quite into Japanese and then it sort of slipped. I can still speak very basic Japanese. Uh, but I'm more into Chinese. So it's nice. We sort of have a bit of a, you know, contrast there, balance each other out a bit. So if an incentive for him is every day he can do this broadcast and use his Japanese as he's teaching English on this broadcast, 
then if that's enough of a drive for him, then I think that's going to get him through these six to 12 months where we're not going to probably make any, any money in the Japanese market to begin with. So, um, and the content, just to be clear, the content of the broadcasts and stuff he'll be doing will be my curriculum. It'll just be translated into Japanese. So it's not like he has to go and redesign a whole course or anything. It's just, he just needs to, uh, Okay, so my, my course is, of course, teaching English, but, like, there is Chinese in there in the course to help the learners learn the English. So it will be the same, but that Chinese will have to be translated into Japanese. But the structure and the topics and stuff will be the same. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, yeah. I think so it's, that, a, I think it's a little bit of a franchise, say, but, but there's going to be a, a lot of uh, personal touch involved. Of course, it is content creation, after all. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm... I'm more than willing to discuss with him, you know, like how much you know, variation should there be? I mean, this is something everyone who creates some sort of a franchise has to think about, like how localized can we let it be? You know, and actually some franchises, you know, like Starbucks or something, they actually do localize quite a lot, you know, in terms of the, the menu and stuff. I, I don't know, this isn't food, so maybe shouldn't, it's not a great comparison, but um, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I I think it's a good opportunity and if he's happy that you know it's 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 not going to make any money Sounds straight away it's we need to get the ball rolling like it's better to get the ball rolling now than later and well, after um, after 6 months so mm. after 6 months if he decides shit this is so much work this is mm, mm, not mm. for me and closes it down like what's the yeah. what's the problem well, there's no real problem. Exactly. There's no real problem. There's no. I've no it's not loss. like you took out yeah. a loan to you know no. buy a bricks and mortar. You know. So I'm thinking for everyone out there who's listening, you have like, to pay back. yeah, I'm just thinking like, what kind of is? Are there any general rules we can create for like when's a good time to bring someone else on? Perhaps what we can say is, you don't need to necessarily have your business model down pat. Like, really really figured out. If you're still in this experimental, you're still in this trial phase, that's okay to bring someone else on. As long as, A, they don't really um, cost you anything, like upfront, like financial costs, or B, uh, as long as they are happy to, to, you know, wait it out until you're, you know, there's, there's some real, if they're patient enough, if they're not really hungry for, for cash straight away, and, uh, they're not, yeah, what, was, what was I saying? They're not going to cost you anything. Like if it doesn't work out, you know, if there's a lot really of no upside your nose, and not much an, downside, then, well, then yeah, I mean, I think shit, it's pretty maybe. straightforward. And also I think the point I want to make is for content creators like us, what is super important is before you make any sales, you need to get an audience. So it depends if this person you're bringing on, if they are contributing to your platform to your already existing base of content they're contributing more content they they're generating a higher volume of content for your pre-existing audience or if they're opening up a new market for you so in my yeah. case it's different because japanese uh english learners are it's not no going to watch my broadcast exactly because it's in chinese well but, i suppose we'll find out the results of our particular experiment on our exactly, we will. in a few dozen episodes, hey? 
We will, we will. I just want to talk a little more though about like leveraging this sort of idea about leveraging like a group of creators, like a creative collective, as it were. I've been thinking a lot about this um, and I want to hear your thoughts on what you think because mm. it's so hard to make a dime from this stuff and it's so hard to really get your own thing off the ground. Um, so... Also, a difference between creating evergreen content and what's the opposite of evergreen content again? Uh, <laughs> it's like a newspaper. It's like what? Yeah. 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 It's really. It but is there a word for it? Yeah, is there a word for it? Deciduous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ever. Uh, no. Ever. Green for a day content. No, I've never, well, evergreen's a tree, right? So. So. Yeah. Is there? A, is there a plant that? That like withers and dies in a yeah, day. Yeah, that's something. what I said. Deciduous. It's those oh, are trees that drop their leaves <laughs> over winter, okay. as opposed to uh, an well evergreen done. tree. Uh, anyway, um, biologist here. Yeah, exactly. Uh, or maybe I should know that. Anyway, <laughs> perfect. Good. Okay, so deciduous content. So, so it's like um, if you are creating yeah. evergreen content, then mm. you can probably go a lot further yourself. But if you mm. have to create content every day, then like, fucking hell. You know, yeah. it's, well, that's what I'm doing. Yeah, like it, it takes its toll and it, and it would be good to have some more shoulders to rest that, you know, responsibility on. Exactly. Or, or mm. have a community that submits their own content. Well, this is, is what I was... Yes, I yeah. think how... That's how like Vox got so big, isn't it? Like, or yeah, was yeah, it Vox yeah. or BuzzFeed? It's like you, you, they invited users to submit their own articles. And there we go. So, buddy, there is this... Okay. This whole idea, like leveraging community of creators oh, to yeah. just grow the pie, make this platform. That's really why I'm all big. about Reddit, man. People can submit their own content. Fantastic. It's 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 a bit different. It's a platform versus like Vox, which is like a it's it's a it's a media company. It's creating content. Reddit lets others create content. But yeah, like yes, that's that's a great reason. For, that's a that's a cool thing about Reddit. But what I want to think about is like up until now, like in terms of online content creating, there are some forms of media which are really well suited to leveraging sort of a collective. And there are others which I think have a lot of potential, but no one's really, or few people have really leveraged. Okay, so you just mentioned blogs, right? Um, there, That's the most obvious thing. You, you start a blog and then eventually you say, hey, listen, other people, you know. Guest writers. Guest writers, then you have people Employees, submitting directly, and then it just grows and grows and grows, and as long as it's about Pay one sort of word theme, or something, or hey, blah, blah, blah. That's very uh, well-established blog business model, and it works. What I'm interested in is stuff like a podcast network. Now, uh, I think I told listeners, or I think I shared this last time, that we've been invited to join like a Telegram uh, chat group called Open Podcast. Um, which is for podcast creators. And everyone in this group seems to be focused on similar things to what we're focused on. There's a there's um, SAS Reality, two guys in the UK who, are, who are, uh, do a podcast on SAS building businesses, on building SAS businesses. Uh, there's another thing called Shipcast. So it's like developers, SAS, where content creators, makers, you know, it's, it's just a, this kind of this scene. Right. Everyone who's making these podcasts in this chat group are involved in this somehow. Surprise, surprise, they found us on Indie Hackers. So, you know. Um, but, okay, so in the discussion in the last week, one of 
what someone, I think he's uh, the guy who started this chat group, put out this idea, why don't we make something like um, Gimlet, right? Uh, a podcast network, right? And that way we'll be able to leverage our size and go to advertisers and get uh, monetized much more quickly because we've got like a group of like a 10 podcast shows as opposed to just one. And so I thought this was a great idea. So we've been chatting about this since. And we're Probably thinking about share some audience as well. Yeah, share some audience because we're, we're all based around this kind of, as I said, this kind of scene, this sort of like independent online business thing. And so I think that's really great. So what I've been thinking about is like, um, I think it would work, you know, as long as it's well coordinated and everything. But I'm thinking like, when do these sort of networks work and in what sort of mediums do they work on? Like RSS, I mean, sorry, podcasting and blogs are all based on RSS, right? They're all, they're all fairly decentralized. So I think that helps, uh, you know, collaborative efforts and stuff. But I want to think about, let's imagine we start a YouTube channel, right? Um, why not do this with a YouTube channel? Why not have a YouTube channel which takes that same blog kind of business model approach where you have a collection of YouTubers all submitting their videos to the same channel and all splitting the ad revenue rather than one person at a time? Because from what I've seen, most big YouTube channels seem to have, there are definitely teams, right? Like, like, uh, you know, Philip DeFranco has, has a big team, you know, every, like a lot of people are helping one personality, like a Philip DeFranco. Yeah. Like they, and they all sort the of face. feature each other on their videos. And so, yeah, but that's, so they, no, 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 but they still have audiences. their own, they still have their own channels. What I'm talking about is one channel with different creators, different faces all together on the same channel. Uh, so a little bit uh, like National Geographic, no doubt has tons of different yeah, like smaller but organizations they're an that old, create content. They're an old world media company, but yes, they've they've made the transition and applied their sort of um, their former business model, which was like television, I guess. Or yeah, they probably did mag well, they do magazines and print as well. But you know, they applied their sort of television approach to YouTube, and that works uh but what i'm thinking like national geographic is not about faces right it's not about personalities no it's not you, at all and this is the point would it work if there were different faces different personalities on uh, a, a collective youtube channel what do you think Whew. um i don't know hmm. i don't know and i don't know if it matters because youtube's controlled by a behemoth Mm -hmm. and whatever that behemoth decides is just is is what they'll do like there's no room there's no it's not open enough for mm -hmm. you know anybody other than the behemoth to make the decisions so i don't know mm -hmm. maybe um maybe there's going to be a next generation youtube that's you know does it somehow well better. people are people are peeling off pretty quickly these days it's uh it's just one you know what are they going to uh, well, Twitch, well, which is also owned by a behemoth, <laughs> uh, but it, at this what stage, are they owned by? Amazon. Oh. Um, but they are at least at this stage seem a little more uh, creator oriented and and and, and better. Use, yeah. Um, but uh, well, they're going to Twitch. They're going to other things. I mean, there's. It, it, 
I think I think the issue right now is well, YouTube's got a lot of issues in terms of like you know politic politicization and demonetization and things like this. Um, but I think people are just sort of waking up to the reality that it's it's not the sort of neutral platform that it, it always sort of pretended to be. And I feel like the CEOs of Google just woke up one day and then there was just a culture war, just like a cultural, like civil war just being fought right inside their office. Like there's mm -hmm. like people mm -hmm. are like, you know, the shit's on fire, you know, people like, you know, throwing chairs at each other and you know breaking windows yeah. and like there's this like dead there's no man no man's uh dead uh what, what was it world war one the uh dead man zone oh yeah no man's yeah, land yeah. no man's, no man's land. land yeah 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 like right down the middle of the campus yeah i'm not envious yeah yeah i mean that that would be a whole nother sort of inferno but i think for creators for us what you want is, is something reliable. And I think usually for a long time was, and was fairly reliable and, and, and fairly neutral. But the last couple of years, it just seems like every other week, like this week, there was, uh, what was the, there was something with, um, you know, Dave Rubin. I, I haven't actually checked it's it out. Something. There's, there was something, um, uh, that's come out, but there's some other new bombshell, some demonetization or something. There was this, um, Oh, what's her name? Something fan, P-H-A-N, um, this chick who's got like these huge, like how many followers? Six million? No idea. Like you don't know? She does makeup, makeup feeds. And, um, okay, she pretty got demonetized. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But she got demonetized. I think it was more copyright issues because she used like some copyrighted music for like her first few videos, like way back when, when she started like years ago. And anyway, she's up for some lawsuit for like, oh, like, <laughs> like a few million dollars just busted her, you know, completely. So, so, but I think the, the point was, it's like, as soon as like the case, it, it seems like what creators get pissed off about is that, um, the default reaction from YouTube is to freeze and demonetize your account straight away. As soon as there's any there's like sort enough of alarm, alarm bells against raised. it or something, which 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 is pretty much like user one generated or two. It's like there's there's nothing. Is it doesn't take much to sound the alarm. In other words, and then they'll just sort of instantly sort of like put you on freeze um, until you know they've gotten to the bottom of things, which could take a long time. So I think she's quit, which is a shame. I haven't, I haven't read the whole story, but but um, yeah, no, I think there's definitely a move away, you know, to more sort of indie kind of platforms because I think people are waking up to the reality that it's it's not the place it used to be. It used to be uh, quite different. But um, I'm still very interested in in this idea of leveraging, like, because like, if you have a channel, it takes a long time to get to a thousand subscribers. Like I have, it took me two or three years. You want to get into, a, you want to have a YouTube channel, you don't have any subscribers at this stage, but it will take you a long time to get there. And it's, it's like, if you and people like you can create a sort of common consensus, a broad concept of what your channel is going to be about, you can work together, you can, and this is the beauty of YouTube actually, is that, for example, if I have my content, which is about topic A, 
and you have your content, which is about topic B. As long as there is some sort of thematic overlap that you can like use to brand your channel and call it something which has an over overlying over overarching theme, people who like my subset of content can just subscribe to my playlist and just lap up my content. And YouTube's algorithm will know that they just watch this YouTuber's videos, they just watch Liam's videos. And these other people watch Ben's videos because they're more interested in Ben's content. But by being on the same channel, we grow the overall subscriber count, which leverages, which has greater leverage with the YouTube algorithm because any video which is posted by a channel which has a which has a higher volume of of subscribers but also uh, watch time and overall just metrics or overall, you know, the, the better metrics will be, get, you know, Showing to more viewers. It's, Do you know what I'm saying? So it's yeah, like I get what it's you're like saying, the bigger the it, pie actually helps all of the creators that are on. Yeah, that I get it. I get it. But it. It sounds like it sounds like a way to circumvent the arbitrary limits that YouTube put in in the first place. It's like mm, it's mm. like so. There's that problem. How you need ten thousand subscribers. Is that right on a YouTube? No, channel no, no. Ten thousand. What is it? Ten thousand views. One thousand subscribers. Righto. Okay. So that's just, so it's like, what if we all got together and, you know, shared, you know, those views and those subscribes together so that we can reach that, you know, mm. we can reach that threshold more easily together. But YouTube just put in that threat. They just made that number up. They just put it in there for some reason. Like they just yeah. don't want every video to be able to, they just don't, I suppose they don't want YouTube awash in e-commerce. And they yeah, so they restrict yeah, yeah. it to certain profiles, sure. but if then they if then they allow this like grouping mechanism, then they just circumvent their own rules. Yeah, but we can just get away with it, can't we? Until they, you know, so there's nothing wrong with it. If they if they implement the feature, you wouldn't have to implement. What What are you talking about? I'm I'm saying we could do this right now. We could like start a channel and. Like, I've already got a channel. You can start creating videos on my channel and, you know, ta-da. Like, you know, anyone can do this. You see what I mean? It's just... Oh, it's just, yeah, right. Okay. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Sorry, I'm I just, did miss that. Yeah, Yeah. no, no, no. What I meant I is like... I thought you did mean separate channels and then there's like... A, no. It's like... Oh, yeah, then there's, there's like, like some network and a above super that. channel. Yes. This is what I always wanted, actually. This no, is what... No, I, no. This I, would I be super now. cool. If there was a something, another layer above a channel, if you could belong to a network... Ah, oh, that would be the best. That's something that I think a lot of creators. Yeah, would so love. you can have the BBC, and then you yes. can have David and then you can have your programs below it. Exactly, your channels below it. Exactly, and then every channel has its own playlist, which is just like a TV program. Mm. Da da da. Like that's or what's Discovery. missing. But I guess that's no coincidence. It's missing because then that gives the creators just another layer of leverage that the platform probably doesn't want us to have. I I can I can only only imagine that is the real reason because why else wouldn't they have a network well remember yeah. remember we read that book um the audiobook i uh, what was it called again man um you know it how it, it talks about how information networks they always cycle through a series of openness oh, oh. And closeness. you're talking about um Wu, what's tim Wu? uh he's um i think that's yeah, right yeah, yeah. yeah the the oh god uh what's it called again Oh, it's a good book. Let's get really that. good book. 
you, you check that. It's something of, uh, oh, the something machine. It's like a something machine or something or other. Uh, Where is it? <laughs> check the it. master switch, the rise the and fall switch. of information empires. Yeah, that's it. Is it Tim, is it, did I get his name right? Yeah, Tim Wu, 100%. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, no, that was a great book. Such and a good book. We'll put that in yeah. the description. Yeah. Um, so Check eventually, you know, good. eventually, so, I mean, originally there was, uh, there was individual websites, right, which mm. became like GeoCities, right? So people could create their own websites more easily on a centralized platform. Yeah. It's then overtaken by MySpace, um, which allowed you more, uh, less customization, but yeah, like a more of a standard template, which is then overtaken by uh, Facebook, which has been overtaken by Twitter and um, Twitter and Instagram. But mm. so it's like, so it's the, these empires, they, they fracture and fall and they're replaced by something else. But usually there's a cycle of openness and closeness to, yep. um, to these things. Like yep. um, WordPress, perhaps, you know, it's obviously a fairly open platform, might be replaced by um, uh, uh, like Wix, you know, and... Mm -hmm and uh squarespace you know sites mm. that let you there's just more inbuilt design templates you know yeah. it's easier to use um and they charge you for it for it's yeah yeah uh, you know what i'm saying yeah totally totally know what you mean and yeah, uh it's it, like podcasting is is so interesting because it's become so popular but it still remains you know it's very open distributed exactly like, yeah, exactly open-ended and and um so i think that's really great and uh yeah i mean but yeah where are videos gonna head i mean and streaming like live streaming is another one like videos have kind of got the problem where just the mm -hmm. file size is so much larger so you need yeah. to store it on big servers yeah yeah you know? live streaming's like that as well like it's expensive to host yeah you need like you know strong cdn or something to 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 you know, build a, a really good, reliable streaming website. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't get live streaming just like on any old website, just like one off. It it sort of needs to be uh, pulled together. You know, because the costs of hosting it are yeah. Are until much Buddy Pied Piper's mm -hmm. compression algorithm comes along, we might be yeah. stuck with YouTube for a little while. Waiting for the day. Yeah, fingers crossed. Or five G. Or you know, whoever's whatever's going. Hit us next, and the big it'll it'll throw throw the whole table upside down again, and then uh, we'll get to work, you know, um, centralizing it and, and constructing another another. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Like that's exactly what happens. Get back to uh, integration, all of that. Yeah, man. Well, that's that's kind of me. Like this week in a nutshell. Like um, I've got another sort of something else I want to sort of um, sort of tease out, but I think I'm gonna leave that maybe till later or maybe sort of part of your part of your discussion actually okay feel free I to think jump in some yeah yeah because some i think it's going to fit right in with one of with one of the points you're going to talk about so over to you my good man okay cool all right so this week i um or this this last fortnight um i actually went to i'll start off with so i, I went to a uh, a startup festival in in sydney called launch um, hosted by uh, Jason Kalikanakis, who's a VC from um, Silicon Valley. Oh, um, yeah. Mm. 
so he's had a uh, yeah you know he uh, a lot of people have a lot of founders have come in and and VCs and given some talks and um, it's yeah it's it's really interesting it's a good networking event too um, mm. and basically I've got some pretty cool takeaways like you know my big my big summary um, and some of the some of the feature, some of the uh, best ideas that came out of that. So I was talking to this one guy um, uh, that, that was just sitting next to me in the crowd, and he's a he's like he said he's run a, a digital um, digital media, sorry, digital marketing mastermind for something like twenty five companies, um, and he said that basically if you're if you're doing pay per click ads the best value that you can get on the internet right now is facebook video ads so they're just really trying to promote it um so what that is is a video post that you've made onto your page um mm. or possibly group um and then you click promote mm -hmm. and yeah and that ad so long as it's a it's a certain length i think it has to be uh, it has to be at least 30 seconds or something like that. I'm mm. sure you can, I'm sure you can look it up, um, and what, and find out what Facebook wants. But that type of ad is the best value that you can get on the internet right now. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Mm. Um, mm. um, so maybe, mm, I don't know what ads. sort of ads <laughs> you were doing. Like, were they, was that's it That's exactly it. It was a promoted video post. Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah, bugger. And it's over 30 seconds long. It's like mm. two minutes long. Yeah. Like, I'm prepared to admit that probably my conclusions of, of that Facebook ad campaign are off. Like, I'm prepared to admit that I, I, I can't. It was your first really, one, man. Like, there's my a. First one. You can really get into the mystery. weeds of this no. stuff. Like, I, I've got the numbers there. Actually, some of the numbers look pretty good. Actually, I ran a couple of the click through rate numbers past Mark and he was like, oh, that's actually pretty good for a first campaign. But it's just because it didn't generate any money and I really needed some money and I spent too much money on that. Yeah, thing. money's so, nice. Yeah, well, and it was, it was, it was that I, if, I, if I had spent less, then I think I would have been okay. But because I spent too much and because I spent too much, it was because it recommended that I spend that much and I was yeah, a fool to think. Of course it did, but I thought that that's what you quote unquote had to do to get, you know, a real result for the test that you're trying to test. Blah blah blah. Okay, not to get back into all that, but yeah, I agree that I would ag agree that Facebook ad video ads would be you know really high performing or maybe the the best performing of all. Yeah, totally. You yeah, know what would be even better? You know what would be, be even better? What's that? Okay, Facebook, if you're listening, I don't know why you haven't done this yet. Okay, let us promote or as they say boost a live video facebook hears live. everything man they can definitely hear you facebook hear me no seriously <laughs> like i would love it if i could just boost my live video as it's live why can't i do that they don't allow that you can boost it afterwards after the event after it's not live <laughs> but it's much less attractive and much less viewer friendly which is the concept because it's over sort of talk about today because it's over who wants to see someone else waving retarded. hi at some people who are who is it's already over exactly so i don't know why they haven't done that yet but you know whatever um keep going sorry buddy sorry interrupted you. all right so the second thing that's all right the second 
big takeaway was product market fit and mm. quantifying product market fit, which is like a holy grail, right? So this um, so this fellow gave a talk, a successful founder from um, Superhuman, which is a uh, email program that uh, it's a paid email program that's better than Gmail. Um, it's faster than Gmail. Um, it's quite popular amongst uh, founders and VCs, you know, like high-powered um, C-suite kind of people um, that mm-hmm. spend a lot of time on their uh, on their emails and, yeah, just, you know, are willing to pay the money to optimize it um, yeah. and have a better product. Um, so really interesting talk. Um, and so he... It took him a little bit of time to work out that that's exactly who his uh, market was for his product. Mm. Um, and this is how he got there. This is how he quantified it. So the quote that he led with was, product market fit happens when users spontaneously tell others to use your product. Mm, I um, like it. That's yeah, cool. yeah. So you can measure product market fit with a survey. So you send this thing out when people have had the opportunity to experience the core of your product, right? So um, three weeks in, something like that. Depends on your product. The first question is, uh, how would you feel if you can no longer use the product? Very disappointed, somewhat disappointed, or not disappointed, okay? Mm-hmm. Super important question. Now, you measure the percentage of the people who said very disappointed. If it's more than 40% of people are very disappointed if they can no longer use the product, then you have product market fit. Congratulations. Hmm. Right. And this is all users? I'm going to jot this down. Is this all users? 40% of people that answered the survey. Oh, hang on, hang on. And all, who do you submit the survey to? Uh, your pre-existing user base? Hmm. Or? You send it out to, you send out the survey to people that have had the opportunity to experience the core of the product. So it's been a couple of weeks. Depends on your product. Uh, okay, okay. I think right? I, I First think I question, yeah. how would you feel if you can no longer... Are they, the sorry, product? sorry. Are they paying customers or, or they've, they've just got this for free? Oh, uh, it depends on your product. Hmm. Okay, because that okay. may... Anyway, okay. Yeah, do, yep. I'll, okay. Yep. So, if, so your goal is to... You have to... You have to keep answer, uh, keep sending out the same survey a few times. See if it changes. You need to track results over time. Okay, mm-hmm. so you measure the percentage of people who say very disappointed. If you have more than forty percent, then you have your product market fit. Right. Most mm-hmm. of us are going to have less than that. Um, just starting out. Okay. So that's what we're aiming for: is to get more than forty percent. Mm. That's product market fit, by the way, is the single most important metric for success of a, of a business. Okay. Mm. Question two, what type of person would most benefit from your product? Right? Mm. Users who love your product will describe themselves. Okay? You use their responses to build your model of your, pers- of your perfect customer. Okay, use people's own responses about who, yeah. Make yep, sense? I get it. Yep, okay. Yep, yep. 
that model is called your high expectation customer. Mm. Okay. Um, Hang on, what high expectation customer? Yeah, this is the lingo that he used. By but the way, why is it because they have high expectations? I don't. I don't know. Okay, whatever. I don't know. It's just the lingo he, he used. It, it doesn't create your, being that important why I use that term. By the way, I'll send a. I put okay. all this in a bunch of tweets. I'll uh, I'll link the uh, I'll link the whole thing so you can just um, you can just read it whenever you want to. Did you okay. say you're going to put this in a bunch of tweets? It already is. Oh, it's already. It already in a bunch is, of and I'll link it in the description. Okay. Mm. Okay. So now you can discover the persona of each of the so each of the people that answered the first question. They're different segments. Okay, and you should be able to discover the persona of each of those segments, and your high expectation customer should be the person that's the most dis that's very disappointed that's your uh, if your product went away. Okay. Next question number three. There's only four questions. What is the main benefit you receive from your product? Any feedback you get from somebody that answered, um, I wouldn't, I, that, that, that doesn't care if your product went away tomorrow, their feedback doesn't matter. They're not the people that you're after. It's get, you get the results from the very disappointed crowd and you throw it into a big word cloud, right? Print it out and pin it up on the wall. Those are the most important aspects of your products that uh yeah that the people care about so for him it was speed and you, the fact that you don't even have to use your mouse you can just really quickly find anything that you want within a few seconds just using your keyboard right oh that sounds cool yeah, yeah it's it's a pretty wicked uh program from what i've heard um yeah the last segment is yeah, somewhat disappointed crowd uh, okay. almost there i'm almost there you break up the feedback that you get from that from the question three, the somewhat disappointing crowd, into those uh, who agree with the main benefit of the product as defined by the high expectation customer and those who think it's something else. Disregard people who think that's something else. They're not mm. your crowd either. Mm. So you put what you've got now, you've, you put the results from the somewhat disappointed crowd, the ones that you haven't thrown away, into a big word cloud, and that tells you what you have to work on. Mm. Okay. Last question. How can we improve your product? Um, spend half of your time doubling down on the stuff you're already good at and spend the other half working on the stuff in the second word cloud. Keep sending out the survey over time and track changes. That's it. Um, that's uh, sounded a lot more complicated. It's a lot easy. It's a lot more simple when you see it written down. I'm telling yeah. you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it sounds solid. Reading it out, it's like that's mm. like a that was a a f maybe forty minute presentation uh, summarized. So it's a little bit uh, heavy on it, but um, as I said, I'll link you to the tweet, and um, it's a lot easier to understand like that. It's like sixteen different tweets, and uh, yeah, that's it. Nice. Oh no, it's it's that's a that's a pretty solid idea. I mean, you're right. It is the most important metric for success, and uh, I'm just really glad to hear that you that you went along to this thing because I think uh, 
you know, I think we both need to get out a bit more, and I don't just mean like socially, I mean like we need to get more into the startup slash, you know, indie makers or creators scenes. Ecosystem. Yep. Ecosystems, yeah, we need to get more connected. Um, and it's it's really good that, yeah, like you can, you can get to one of these things and then come away with uh, some some good insights there. Um, so you... Do you have a plan to, to use this survey? Yeah. Uh, so yeah? that's so Mailchimp integrates with um, SurveyMonkey, mm-hmm. right? You yeah. just I've just uh, if somebody signs up to my the email chip list, and the monkey. Yeah. that means exactly on the same branch. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, that means they've uh, they've liked the Big Ideas Network and they've been reading the emails for a couple of weeks. So mm-hmm. after three weeks, that's when they get my email with that survey in there, with those four questions, um, and with those, uh, and I know what to do with uh, with all of those responses. So that good. yeah, mm-hmm. that's just been set up. How um, many people are on your mailing list? Uh, Thirteen at the moment. How many unaffiliated customers? Uh, like not friends and family. Yeah. Uh, I think it's I think it's six. Mm, that's not enough. Yeah, that's a problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, I, I, I don't know how, like how many you working need, on it. Say twenty to thirty to forty at least. Working to start on start to get. Yeah. Okay. So cool. You you're aware of that. Okay. So that's that's the um. Yeah, that's where I spent the rest of uh, the fortnight actually is looking up. Uh, putting together my analytics. Um, mm. So I've based it on, I started making a funnel, right? And it didn't seem right because a funnel is like someone comes through at the start and then they drop out at the bottom. Hopefully they've spent some money, right? And then they're gone forever, right? But it doesn't really capture the fact that I'm expecting to hold on to that person, you know, maybe for life, you know, like I want, yep. I want it to be yep. a lifetime relationship. And so that's mm-hmm. going to mean repeat business. And it's also going to mean referrals. Mm-hmm. So, yes. um, so I think it was just coincidence that the universe just put in front of me the, um, on Twitter or something like that, the concept of the flywheel, right? Mm. Um, which I found a, a great post on a hub, HubSpot about. Mm-hmm. Um, so the flywheel is a, is a different marketing model than the than the um, than the funnel. It's yes. it's all about creating momentum and removing friction. Yes. So rather than so yeah, it's like you do pump in people at the beginning, right? Mm-hmm. But um, and that's what make the fly, that's what makes the flywheel spin in the first place but there's different stages so the first stage is attract right mm. so that's where you get new people coming into your system right mm. and then they move mm. on to the next stage which i mm. just call um, i call enchant so you've mm. you uh, you really you capture their attention like you they you they love your brand right the next mm. stage is sell Okay, mm. it's like it's different terms. It'll be different terms depending on each business. I think the default 
that HubSpot had was attract, um, engage, and uh, and um, delight. But you know, same same rough concepts, right? Yeah. Um. Yeah. So. I think. Uh, sorry, were you going to finish the fifth stage? You no, to, three stages. Three stages. Three. It. I thought there were five. I think there are four or five in uh, in uh, Jim Collins' first. You know, he was the one who uh, coined. What's that about? Can you tell me about that? Yeah, yeah. He, uh, or, you know, at Stanford uh, uh, Business School, professor at Stanford Business School, Jim Collins, who wrote uh, From Good to Great, that book about like the um, highest performing American companies. Um, he came up with, or at least he coined the term uh, flywheel. And at least in the interview I, I, I heard, uh, his Tim Ferriss interview, think he went into like four or fifth stages but it's, it's pretty much what you're talking about it's creating this virtuous cycle from pre-existing customers who experience value from the get-go with your product and then buy back into this virtuous cycle yeah so you don't drop them so you, you don't need to, drop them your metrics have to be circular what he kept emphasizing in that interview and we should link that in the show notes because it's a fantastic interview really Tim Ferriss' interview with Jim Collins. I think it was only out like six months ago or something like that. Such a good interview. Great stories in there as well as his main discussion, which is about the the flywheel. But also he's got this really cool way of like tracking his own personal happiness and productivity with like, he does this really basic, simple Excel um, spreadsheet thing every single day, which I found really, really awesome. I didn't end up doing it myself. All right, getting, the time when getting I was... into the weeds a bit. Yeah, yeah, okay, okay. I'm, I'm a bit of a fan of this guy. It's pretty cool. So if, if you guys want to listen, check that. Check was a that good interview. Episode out. I remember it was that really one. Good interview. You, you listened. Yeah, I think I think I sent you the link. Yeah, I, I do remember the, uh, yeah, yeah, tracking his happiness, like how much, how, anyway, how he felt yeah. each day out of 10 or something like that. Yeah, something like that. It's kind of cool. But anyway, back to the flywheel. He kept emphasizing in that interview that it's all about that every phase every stage has to seem like a natural step. Like it, there should be, as you say, like le as less friction as possible. Like anyone who interacts with your product should automatically feel delight, which should make it, it, it makes absolute sense in their mind to then purchase. And then from the purchase phase, it makes absolute sense to then, uh, I think the next phase must be repurchase or, 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 or something like that, or maybe, mm. It is share. Maybe it is tell others, something like that. Anyway, but his point was like, you need to design it so that the user feels it is only natural to take the next step. Only natural. So, yep. yeah, cool. Keep okay, yeah. So, so I've put together... Um, so I started a Google Sheet, right? And I, mm. I, I put on an add-on for uh, Google Analytics and another one for Supermetrics, an add-on called Supermetrics. Supermetrics mm -hmm. brings in um, data from a whole lot of different places. Like it, it, mm -hmm. it connects with like uh, Instagram, Twitter and Facebook and like MailChimp all via API, right? So mm -hmm. it pulls in the data. Um, yeah, so you can uh, then, you, you know, you have all of those all of the raw information on, you know, 
different spreadsheets open down the bottom and then you've got your main one that you can customize however you want it so i've got i put together yeah like all of my metrics for who uh, for how many people you know i'm, I'm attracting onto my social media profiles how many people then enchant so how many people click through to big ideas network um what their average session time is, their bounces, um, how many people subscribe to the email list, how many people open the email, stuff like that. And then the last stage is sell. So then how many people end up uh, clicking through to the store based on the you know, inbuilt ads that are in the, uh, in the blog, um, how many add to cart, how many purchase, and how much profit, as well as uh, patrons as well. Um, yeah, I was about to say, where are your patron, patrons? Yeah, so same yeah. thing, like the amount of people clicking through. I haven't worked out how to get that number yet, though. Um, it doesn't interface with, uh, it doesn't talk to patreon.com, oh. um, unfortunately. Um, yeah, so, yeah, that's been interesting. Um, uh, I've also what, found, yeah. um, uh, so I've been tracking, like, yeah, like what's been coming from, what traffic's been coming from where. Got us, um, give us some figures, yeah. Yeah, so I've had a link in my Twitter bio for a little while um, with like a, a tracking code on it. I found that like that just, no one clicks on that. What people do click on is if I put, if if, if um, I put a link to a an article as part of like a larger discussion that's going on. Like mm. for instance, um, somebody someone on twitter like uh some like a, a popular profile on twitter posted an observation about how dependent we are on um machines not in terms of like you know we've got our heads stuck in our phones but in terms of like how machines actually create us like they transport our food they you know like how physically dependent we are as a mm. as a society on machines mm. and i said that um uh and it's true that 50 percent of the nitrogen that's in our in the cells in our bodies actually came through a machine through the industrial production of fertilizer which oh, is really pretty that's wild cool little factoid mm. that yeah. is pretty wild yeah. So I linked to the um, I linked to the page on nitrogen that talks all about that, and that's that got a big spike. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, but it's not consistent, you know. Like those conversations mm -hmm. don't happen all the time, and you can't force it, but still have to be aware of it. Um, the subreddit, which has uh, over two thousand subscribers, is giving me like a slow drip of basically one new reader per day, every day. Um, mm. It's good that it's consistent, but not enough by itself. This is all with the automated posting and everything. Um, similar. Right. This is like a blog post that's pinned up to the top of the subreddit. So when people visit it for the first time, or when they revisit yeah. it, they see the blog post. Oh, okay. Okay, so... This is okay. So this is all of your subreddit traffic, or visit just... the visit the Earthmind subreddit, reddit.com/r/earthmind, and you'll see what I mean. 
Um, yeah. yeah, but 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 there are other posts on the Earth Mind subreddit, right? I just pin one at a time. I could probably pin. T you can pin a maximum of two things to the top of the subreddit profile. I've just got. I just have one that's just a, an interesting, cool post that's come up, like a video or picture or something that's pretty cool. And the other one's my uh -huh. blog post. Um, so that is getting, yeah, this constant drip of just one new reader per day. Um, right. I think that could be better. Like, I think that, uh, I think that, yeah, anyway, I'll, I'll get to that. I'll get to that. I think that the quality of the, of just, like, there's just not enough of a hook in the first line to really just get people interested. Um, mm -hmm. Like, I can start pretty dry. Um, How big which is I need to work on. Yeah. Yeah, that's science book stuff. It's like, <laughs> doesn't read like a, um, a really captivating title, does it? Yeah, thanks. Yeah. No, sorry. But Working like, on it. Yeah. I'm I'm looking at the other stuff though, man. Like these videos below and photos, are pretty pretty awesome. Like this thing about this ligament plant, like that got my attention. Yeah. Can you can you put that up up the top? Yeah, that's what I said. I have usually have one like blog post pinned to the top and one you know video or picture that's particularly yeah. cool. Yeah. 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 So, okay, so you need to get more traffic. Yeah, the, it would be good. Yeah. It would be really nice getting more traffic than one person per day, but at least something. Um, the mm -hmm. next thing is that I notice I'm getting some search traffic that's unintentional. Um, just mm. some like phrases that I happen to use in the article that are picking up some, yeah, they're picking up some search results and okay. that people are clicking through like, um, are there many universes? Somebody might type that in in Google. They're probably stoned. Um, and they'll find, yeah, and they'll find one of my articles and they'll go through to it. So it's not a huge amount, but it's unintentional, which means it can be optimized. Well, exactly. Perhaps that is the source of traction that is going to give you the growth you need. Um, yeah, it's a little bit like what we were the... discussing last time. It's like, oh, there's some... The book out there about traction, uh, which purports that there are nineteen sort of sources, and you you never really know which one is is the one for your business. So who knows, man? Maybe your whole your biggest growth engine will be SEO rather be. than subreddit. And it's been it's been up and it's been up for long enough, such that Google uh, Google Search Console it's a oh. great tool. It's telling me what. Uh, what search terms I'm unintentionally ranking for, yeah. um, which is cool. It um, is cool. But still, uh, yeah, so that's a problem. Like, there's not enough traffic going in. Um, yes. And so there's not enough, there's, there's also a little, bit of, uh, a little bit of churn in the middle. Um, bounce rate is, is uh, 40%, which is actually on the low end for blogs, apparently. But I think that's mm. artificially low because of friends and family reading it um, mm, and going mm. through the article mm. because I've asked them to. Um, yeah, but yeah. Uh, so the result is, of course, that there's not enough traffic at the final part of the flywheel, the sales part to generate, to generate any money. Generate yeah. Any sales. yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I think, yeah. I'm so, just thinking back to that SEO thing, man. Like, strikes me that your blog posts, right, they explain stuff, right? That's, if you had to give me one word, oh, okay, not one word, this is, that's a stupid question. If, okay, I, like, okay, how big is an atom? Like, just, and then you go into all of that, really in depth. Read the first Three, line, by the way. The first line's more writing. interesting than the title. Okay, okay, maybe that's, uh, that's not doing you justice there, hang on. Uh, but what I'm just thinking is if someone ha like is wanting to know that, yeah, that's cool. That's a much cooler, uh, opening line. Every time you scroll down on your phone, you're pushing millions of atoms out of the way. <laughs> that is cool. Um, so, but I, what I'm thinking is like the value you're providing is like, deep insight into the, some sort of natural phenomena. And yeah, when people go searching for something like that, when people want to like find out more about atoms, like that's the perfect thing. But I think this content lends itself more to SEO than, um, than uh, something like a subreddit, which is, yeah, it's, it's content sharing and that's fantastic. But, but I think unless you really pick up the video, uh, end of things. I just think like, cause look at something like Facebook or, or even, um, Reddit, like a lot of the most shared stuff is visual because it's so, you know, it's instant gratification. You just watch it for a few seconds and wow, it's, you know, you've, 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 you've had your hit, like you're hooked in. I, it doesn't work for everything, but I'm sensing, I'm yeah, sensing I your, I can get Your... the numbers. I can find out exactly like what the search traffic is for uh -huh. these terms that the articles are unintentionally ranking for. I yeah. can see, yeah, I can see what the volume is per day, per week, whatever, um, mm. and how competitive the terms are. So if I sure. get number one, I'm probably going to get ninety-five percent of that traffic. Mm. Um, but yeah, like you know, the the subreddit two thousand subscribers equals one constant new yeah. reader every day is not great. No, um, it's not. Yeah, you, you probably, the dry title probably loses, like, you know, that probably cuts it in half, if not more. Um, so there's room there, right? Yeah. Um, but you may be just barking up the wrong tree, buddy. Like, it may be that this is just not... Well, it's going to come a down natural to fit for, sub, for, for Reddit, I mean. This is just maybe not a natural fit for Reddit. Um, yeah. I, I, if I were you, I would spend the next week or so getting stuck into those uh, search terms and see if you... See how much effort, see how many hours it requires you to double your Google search traffic. And then compare that to how many hours it requires you to get two viewers, new viewers every day on, on Reddit and compare the, the results of that little test. And I think we'll have our answer. Exactly. It's all going to come down to a test. Yeah. So I think you should do that test rather than slog away at, at uh, Reddit. Um, uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not easy. I know it's disappointing, man. It, it, it's, uh, but yeah, it's, it's one of those things. It's like, um, <laughs> it's so easy to get like followers and stuff. Like I got 15,000 followers on my Facebook page. It's like, 
and I get like what, like a hundred paying students. It's like you know, it's like a fraction. It's like one percent or something less than one percent. So it's it's something you just got to just got to um, realign your expectations. But but it's really promising that you're getting that SEO stuff. I think that's really cause for hope. The other point of friction in the flywheel is, so I've sent out some of the articles to friends and family, and uh, the feedback I'm getting is, uh, like, it's too complicated. Oh, the other thing, it's too complicated, and I noticed in my analytics that the average amount of time that people spend on the website is 3.2 minutes, and the average length mm. of my articles is five minutes okay right that's yeah okay, clearly that's, a disconnect mm. there that's not that staggering i think i think it's uh i don't think most people finish most blog posts that they start reading it's a bit like it's a bit like the viewer rate for youtube videos i mean my my view rate is like 40 50 percent or something which is actually not too bad by by a lot of uh YouTube standards, I think. I think anyway, like, um, I, I don't feel know. Like if they don't around. finish the story, they're mm -hmm. not. If they bounce, right? They're yeah. not gonna be. Ah, oh, but then again, maybe that's. Maybe they might come back later. It's like, ah, oh, I just don't have the time for this right now. Yeah, sounds interesting, yeah. but come back. I'll later. just have a look when I'm on the train. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. When I have the time, um, something like that. I don't know. Mm -hmm. It's, you know. Yeah. So hang on, I want to come back to the thing you just said. It's too complicated. What does that mean? You just lost that. So, like, I can make. So, there are just some topics that I'm trying to tackle, and I'm trying to explain and make really simple. That it's just they're just inherently difficult because there's just no like, the Big Bang, or quantum mechanics right mm -hmm. like explaining those ideas like there's not much we just don't have the mental framework with which to like put the explanations on like you can use all of these analogies but it's still yeah it's still really hard yeah um so yeah some things as well i think that you can just only do with video like have you like you've probably seen those you know those zoom out universe videos like it starts yeah. on someone's hand yeah. or something like there was that a website zooms for that. all was the way out again? yeah there was a website for that I, yeah there, like there was and youtube videos too yeah, it's, yeah it's all the way out to you know past the galaxy all the way out to the entire you know uh visible universe and then it goes all the way back in again. And it's oh my god! Now we're going all the way down into the atom, and then, and then yeah. strings and stuff. So yeah. something like that is just—it's only possible to do with video. You can't write a blog post on a topic like that. Sure, sure. Because it'd just be like, oh, you know, and then you know, imagine that the hand was the size of you know, uh, an ant, and then this is the size of that. And then, and then this is the size of that. And then this is the size of that. You yeah, know, yeah. You just can't communicate it like that. It's just, it's a visual thing. Okay, um, this is a really good point. Yes. So I think that some of these things are just going to do better as video. 
but so, yeah. to write a, to make a video, you have to obviously have a you have to have a script first. You have to have a framework, an idea of what you're gonna make, and so the you know the blog posts are kind of like that. You know, I can just mm -hmm. make a they can be a they can be a framework for a future video when yeah. I've resources to do that. I don't know how to make videos. Um, and if Why I don't did, you find someone they'd else? be shit for a little while. Because I can't Dude, pay find them. Find someone else. Mm, okay. Yeah. This is the difference between you and me. With, like, what I've been thinking for my courses is I can get someone else to start doing the more, uh, you know, the more repetitive tasks, so, like, with my course building. Or I could even, I was even thinking of finding someone else to build their own course completely. And I'll sell it on my, my platform. And I've already got an existing user base that are going to buy it because it's like a, it's a very, it's, it's an easy transaction. It's a money for, for education content. It's a, it's a piece of, it's a course that people are going to buy. Whereas yours isn't quite set up like that. I, I, I see what you mean. It's like a subscription thing and you haven't got that cash flow. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. There would be a possibility if you could find like one hardcore fan who's really into it. Uh, Otherwise, you're right. You can't pay anyone. Um, okay, here's another idea. Here's another idea. Find someone out there, maybe on Vimeo, not necessarily YouTube. Could be on YouTube, but maybe Vimeo somewhere else. Find someone out there who's already making kick-ass, science-ish, nature-ish, this kind of video content you want to make. They're already making that stuff. See if you can, like, and I don't mean like real, I don't mean real professional. I don't mean like, obviously nothing from like Nat Geo or some, some big, I mean like a, one guy by himself, like some, someone out there who's like making this stuff as a, either as a hobby or, or maybe they've got a business around it. Maybe they've built up a following or something. Find them and then just say, hey, listen, I write blog posts about this kind of stuff. Do you want to work together? Um, maybe they would like some written material, some text for their, for their platform and vice versa. Or maybe they're just happy, they would be happy to contribute to your platform on the premise that um, you can, you know, give them some, some money later down the road if, if and when you start making it. Or, or even better would be if they've already made a video which aligns perfectly with a blog post that you've already written. And you can say, can I, you know, post this on my platform and, and you can discuss that. So that's another option. What do you think? Yeah. Why not? Why not? Yeah. yeah stranger right. things have happened yeah. on the internet than, totally, um, man. than video makers giving away their videos for free. To bloggers. Yeah. Yeah. Cause yeah, you're right. You've got a steep learning curve if you want to start making videos and uh, it's, it's like, you've also got to keep up the, the other stuff, like, you know, you're writing and everything and you just don't want to spread yourself too thin at this stage. You've got everything else to work on. I mean, what I'm learning is like, you can only do so much as, as, as one person. And I'm, so I'm trying to get myself in that mind frame of, of trying to seek out collaboration partners, etc., rather than like load new kinds of work on top of myself. So, yeah, there's, uh, there's the other thing I'm finding that 
in the articles, I can make, make um, like in having to familiarize myself with the content, I can make like leaps of logic that, um, yeah, it's like I'm trying to, you know, guide people through these concepts and it's like I can just make, it's like, okay, now we jump from there to there, now from here to here, I'm um, like stepping yeah. stones. But sometimes the stepping stones are just spaced too far apart. Um, it's just like, man, I don't get. Like you were just talking about how, I don't know, say it's some, say it's something to do with stars, mm. how stars are made. Um, mm. Which, by the way, almost all of the atoms in our bodies um, are the like the residue of exploded stars, right? So, mm. um, so pressure, you know, gravity forces all of these gases and materials up. Um, forces them all together into enormous, you know, like into a, into a star. And then when pressure reaches mm. a certain point, the star like um, the star ignites, right? So mm. the the pressure is so much that it starts fusing the atoms together, and uh, and that releases tons of light and uh, tons of heat and energy. Um, it's a supernova, right? No, that's the that's the formation of a star in the first place. Oh, um, oh. Yeah, it is different. Okay. Yeah. So that's kind of what I mean. Like it's there's like assumed knowledge, um, assumed knowledge that I have, and I can just yeah, I can just make these leaps. Um, yeah, yeah, not that. So okay, but um, I think the issue there, it seems to me, is that. Uh, not so much with your content itself, but with your audience, right? Because you've, as you just said there, you've got assumed knowledge that is at play in the background, which, assu which assumes the reader knows a bunch of stuff there, that they can make these leaps. But your audience, your friends and family say, hey, listen, this doesn't seem obvious to me. It's so they, they don't have that assumed knowledge that you've got there. Now, there's two ways to look look at this. Firstly, it's like, okay, well, I, I to... see it as it's not the audience's fault, right? Like, it's not the audience's fault. No, no, no. They... I don't mean like that. I don't mean like they're, they're, they're not clever enough or something like that. No. Or they should know more. I mean, you've got the wrong audience. I mean, how yeah, reliable is this like, feedback I from want your friends to, and family? But I want to like, be how, able to like, explain it to the layperson. That's... <sighs> Yeah, that's your goal. I want okay. to be able to do that. Mm. Okay, well, if, if you're if you're very sure of that, then then okay, then then um, then it is then it is a then it is something you need to change in the way you explain the concepts. If that's if that's what you're sure of, I just want to check. It can just you. be. It can be hard mm -hmm. to see them though when I'm oh, totally, going totally. back and I'm revising it. I'm just like, yep, yep, yep. Like jump, jump, jump. No problem all right, this one looks good to go. I push it out there. It's like, mm. I don't know, like I'm creating like a rock climbing like route and I just like, mm. I've made it, I breeze up it, right? And I'm like, okay, everybody. And I turn around and just nobody's behind me. They're all still at like the second hold because it's just, I've just created this like impassable gap, you know, mm. you know, like right at the beginning and, and they haven't followed me through. So mm. yeah, it's... um. It can be a bit frustrating, but I think that that's just part of the challenge. It's like the biggest challenge is, is that it's my own blind spots. 
Yes. Yes. You definitely need to let more people in to, to give you feedback. Um, there are some sites, right, that can... Uh, I don't know if they're free or maybe there's a little bit of... You need to pay a little bit, but there are sites that, you know, can... Uh, essentially, they, you can put together some sort of a MVP and then give it to... Get a bunch of users to... Are they? Do you know what they are? I don't know them off the top of my head, but I've seen some some sites like this that, that it's like a SaaS business. There's a, there's a thing for this. Um, so content creation is a bit different. I think I think it's more geared to like apps and stuff. But or, but 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 I think I think we you know we could still use it, or you could still use it for your for your site. Because um, I think that's what you need. And you're right. You don't have enough traffic right now to go to your your group of users and say, hey guys, listen. Which do you prefer? Do you like it this way? Or do you like it that way? Because you just don't have enough followers or, or viewers yet. But if you can get a bunch of lay people, and then you can, you know, obviously uh, specify what kind of people you're after, you know, um, by different demographics and stuff. There's like a a flowchart, and you select, you know, your ideal audience, and then and then they they make it happen somehow. I don't know if it's like a one, like a timed session or if it's the, the, the users sort of check it out in their own time or whatever, but there is, there are things like this. There are platforms or businesses like this that are up there. So I, I reckon that's a good route for you as well. Yeah. That sounds interesting. As long as yeah. it's not like, I don't know, $5 per person and you know, 20 people mm. plus a hundred bucks. Mm, might be worth it, man. Five bucks per person doesn't sound that much to me. Like it's going to be very valuable. Like coming back to, to, uh, like Depends if it's I reckon targeted or not. If it's yeah, if it's yeah, close yeah, can get it to. If the it's targeted, audience. if it's just some, if it's just you know someone's grandma, then okay, she's going to say, I don't get it. It's like great, I paid five bucks for that. Sure. Yeah. So and it needs to be yeah. targeted, but I don't know how much it, how much it costs. You can go check it out. But but I mean, friends and family—they're great. We all we all need our friends and family, and they um, the, you know um, give us support with these things. Uh, but it's not just that. Then they are lay people in this in this case. I mean. Can be the case that they're also not lay people, but in your case, I think you can call them sort of lay people. Um, but they will always, uh, because you're, you know, their family and friend, they'll always have some sort of a, they'll always filter to some extent what they really think about your your product. So that's the that's the the res- the, the limitation with um, feedback from friends and family. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, man, but, um, you know, it's, um, I, I, I seriously reckon like hit up that SEO see how it goes, but, um, I think, right. I think you're working on the right things, bro. So, so that's, that's good. That's it from me, man. That's it from you. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I think that's it from me as well. I, I sort of want to talk about something I'm sort of thinking about, like viewer friendliness, right? Like, uh. Like a user, like like a product being user friendly. I've started to think about like how and what makes content, especially um, like a video, something like that, 
that we see on social media, like what makes it viewer friendly? What makes like, and I I've been thinking about this. Like, if I were to give someone advice, like about what I do on my Facebook page, or what makes what what I do every time I post, that it's like a absolute. Uh, hard and fast rule for me at this stage is that I don't post anything anymore that doesn't start a conversation, that doesn't start a dialogue with my users. Everything, everything I post on my Facebook page has a question. It's either inherent or it's, it's, it's stated obviously and people comment on everything. So obviously it was like that with my live videos. I'm asking them to leave comments and write sentences and I correct the sentences, but I do it for everything now. Even if I'm sharing a link to my website or something for a course, like I'll share a link to the website and then I'll ask them, I'll just pop a question in there. You know, like this week it's pets, you know. Are you a dog person or a cat person? Leave a C for dog, but C for cat, D for dog. And it just generates, it means every single post I'm getting comments, like regardless of what it is. And if you make it simple, really simple and really um, easy for people to, to, to respond. You're getting increased engagement all the time. And I've just been thinking about like how in real life, no one talks to anyone without sort of asking a question about their, how, how they feel about, what, about it. Like no one grabs a megaphone, just tells, you know, makes their announcement. It's like everything, every, every time anyone comes up and, and talks to you about something, there's always a space for you to reply and like they always ask like so what do you think about this at the end of when they're finished talking so i think like when you when we make content i think part of what makes content um especially like video content or photos or whatever it is part of what makes it applicable and 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 relevant to people is that you give them that space, you give them that chance in, and you encourage you that chance to enter a conversation. But it's not a conversation about getting to your landing page. It's a conversation about the content itself. Um, and I think that's the, the mistake a lot of people make is they think, well, we've got, we've got to add a call to action in this post. And what should the call to action be? Well, it should probably be something that leads down the sales funnel. Do you mean like when yeah. people say, oh, you know, and what did you think about X? Tell us what you think in the comments. You mean that? Yeah, yeah, but it doesn't have to be... It could be that. It depends on what the content is and what your... Uh, what conversation you're starting. But it could be something... As, I found personally, at least on Facebook, the easiest way to get people to reply is to make it super, super easy for them. Give them... a, a, a Pop them a question somewhere in there. And just give them several options like t type this letter for if you think this, this letter for this, or or if you think something else, leave a comment. Oh and yeah, right. It's it's so a bit easy. it's easier on live streams, isn't it? Because people just say press one for this, press one for that. Yeah. It's just like something happens to come up, like oh, like different cats, like yeah, it's better. Yeah. Like, like let's do a little competition. Like who thinks lines are better? Press one. Let's think totally. tigers are better. Press two. And so the screens is filled with all these ones and twos. It's like, no, totally. tigers, tigers, tigers. Exactly, man. You know, that's like, can, that's one form it. of it. That's one form of it. But you, you can see how there's like, how if they didn't have that, if you didn't, if you 
not creating the opportunity for that enhanced engagement, you're leaving the user with this sense of like, oh, what are they they're telling me what's better, a cat and a dog? Like, like why do I need someone to tell me this? It's, it's like that you need to let them feel, you need to give them space on your post to air their views on the, and, and give them that because that makes them feel respected, that makes them feel relevant, that makes them feel like they're contributing to the conversation in some small way. I think it's super important and I think it makes people feel so much more uh, part of what's happening when you, when in your post. So I think that's that's one core tenet of, 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 of content being viewer friendly, allowing that space for their contribution at all times. I think, at least for me, I, and I can't think of many too, too many businesses or, or too many creators where you wouldn't have this. I think you should try to do that for every post. Now, that doesn't mean leave ones and twos because that only works. It depends on your medium. If it's a blog post, it's probably something different. But I think there should be something there for every social media site, whether it's Reddit, Twitter, whatever it is, um, Facebook. There should be an opportunity inherent there for the user to contribute their, their views um, as, as, as much as possible. The other thing I, I, I think is really important is giving people value where they already are um, rather than asking them to go somewhere else for that, for that value. So if the value of your content, for example, in my case, is giving them some English learning, you know, they learn some English, some words, some phrases, whatever it is, I need to give it to them on Facebook, right, right where they are. I can't expect them to say, like, hey guys, like just walk through this door and I'll give you some something or other. Like, it's it's just not courteous. It's like, why should they walk that extra mile just, you know, for you? Like, if you want them to go to the extra effort of going somewhere else so put, from where they already are. I embedded the whole blog post on a, on the Reddit um, on the Reddit post so they didn't have to click through to the website. Exactly. So just to just to see what it's about. Exactly. Like so what minimum you need the introduction to be on the same platform. So that hook so they get across. Exactly. You can't force them. It's like it's so easy to create these posts and like give someone like half you know, half of the content or half of what you really want to say and then give them a backdoor like, oh yeah, by the way, if you want the whole answer, if you want to find out more, click through here. It's like you're just like pushing them through your door to get to where you want them. But it's a very, uh, it's, 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 it's a very short term sort of approach. Like it's, it's never going to hold up over the long term. Like you might get a bit of, bit of traffic to begin with, but it's not going to generate long term loyalty to your brand or to your content because people are going to know you as someone who just wants to push them somewhere else. And so what the best way to, the best way to get people to become eventual paying customers, absolute, there's, there's, is, is to make them feel indebted to you. Give them so much value, they feel they they owe it to you. This is what Christian McQueen was talking about in that course we did ages ago. Give them so much free value, they're in the subconscious somewhere in their mind, they're just thinking, oh, you know, that guy just, that gives me, person gives me so much value. You know, when you ask one day, you know, for a that paid product. your profitable online business blueprint, by the way. I don't know if it's yeah. still available. Yeah, yeah. But that's, that is so true. You need to just shower people invaluable free content till they feel just like 
they just totally indebted to you. That is the that is the right. You way. reckon they just get used to it, get complacent? You think they get complacent after a while? Yeah, I think so. The internet's mm. flooded That's with a free risk. information, so that information has become a commodity. This is something yeah. that's, uh, that Jason said in the in the launch festival today. Actually, the only thing that was really on content businesses mm. is that um, people have there are so many YouTube so many YouTubers out there that are happy to just create their range of content for free. That yeah. People do get used to it, and it's it's almost like information has become a commodity. Um, yeah. So yeah. it's a challenge now to get people to pay for it. And I mean, yeah, it in is. part, that's the purpose of this podcast, isn't it? To find out ways yeah. to get people to pay for our content, whether it be through, you know, e-commerce for um, for related you know products to to the content that you're making, things that the audience will mm. like, or um, they pay for, you know, bonuses and extras or they pay for, like, a fully-fledged, you know, course mm. that helps them reach their goals. Yeah, yeah. That's right. And I think the way to do it is to get them to feel really indebted to you for, for, for giving you, for giving them so much. That's what, that's, that's part of it. Of course, there are other things. But I think just in terms of providing the content, because the reality is that he's right, like... The, there's, there's just so much information that it's the whole sort of economy is based on the premise that you can get it for free. So it's like, why pay for it? Well, yes, but it's probably a it's mix just of like sticks and carrots, both plain, pain well, and I've only got, yeah. So I think at the end of the day, only roughly one or 2% of the people who follow you on any given social media channel are going to become your paying customers. I, I think the rest of them are um, freeloaders to put it bluntly. So if we can accept that and, and, and work with that and accept that that is the price you pay for getting that 1% to 2% of paying customers, other 98% of freeloaders, then I think it becomes a lot easier to live with the, 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 you know, the, the providing of free um, content on a, you know, continually. Uh, I, I, just, I just think the, the, the way to do it like the way to make your posts and your content so much more engaging is is to uh, to give the people value uh, on the platform where they are, and that's how you generate that that uh, those feelings of loyalty and feelings of appreciation. And yeah, only one or two percent are going to eventually pay for it, but they will pay for it one day when you when you ask them to when when you put out a paid product they will and of course your paid product is not on that social media platform it's there's a paywall it's not for free but by that stage they've they're they're, they're so loyal they've, they've already so happy with with what they've get the value you've, they've gotten so far from you they're going to be happy to to pay for some more yeah it's a yeah it's it's a pretty good idea um there are certainly like lots of youtube channels out there that i get and and some blogs get a ton of value from but um like i'm not signing up anytime soon so and and other yeah. things that you know i've signed up for because i've just needed that you know i needed to i needed to get that product whatever it was it helped me achieve you know my goals um mm. 
So I think it's a mix of both things. Um, yeah, mm. and maybe it's going to be unique for you know each type of content. Like some things are just like you know luxury goods, um, where you know perhaps people are motivated more by pleasure than by pain, and others are just further down on Maslow's hierarchy, and you just you know you just need to get you know whatever it is. Yeah. That's right. You need to you need to get what it what you need to get. You need food. Yeah. So, you know, the yeah. whoever's the local cheapest, you know, supermarket, they're always gonna make money. Yeah. So I think that's something we all need to be really aware of is like I think content creators we tend to be on the want side of the spectrum rather than the need. But Not but always. there is some there are some cases there are some cases where you, you you know depending on people's situation you can be more towards the need but i think it's it is easier to find a, a niche group that has a real need for something and to charge them uh but you can go the other way and go create a product or something which is more a want than a need but you just have to scale much larger to get a larger group of users because the the threshold that they will pay you know for, for them to pay is is going to be um you're gonna. You're just gonna need a higher volume. Yeah. Because not as many. I think that's always gonna be the not case. That important I think you'll always them. need high volume yeah. as a content creator trying to monetize. Yes, definitely. Totally. Much more than SaaS or something, which is often B two B or or something. That you know, that's uh, it's you know, prosumer or something. It's 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 a different need. Space. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But they have their own problems. Yeah, they have to manage, you know, accounts and yeah. sales and. Yeah, it's a lot more. Uh, Hands yeah, on. the grass isn't always green. You know, no, it definitely isn't. I've been listening to that SaaS reality podcast from those other two guys uh, in our podcast uh, chat group. And yeah, there's a lot of upkeep and there's a lot of like, you know, pricing mechanisms. Like they might have to like renegotiate like features for, you know, what customers that want particular things and then how do they price that? And then, yeah, it's, it's different. It's different. Yeah, man. Well, uh, I will. We've gone. Uh, gone quite a while again today. yeah let's wrap it <laughs> I don't think this was our intention let's wrap this up um, listeners if you haven't please leave us a review and uh, don't forget to hit that subscribe button and we will see you next time if you've got any questions please uh, leave us your questions in the comments and we'll be back for some more next time see you soon